0: My name is Wade, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we're going to look at the Word of God today. Our passage is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verses 12 to chapter 11, verse 1. This is in your bulletin, you can follow along if you're uh, on our live stream, you can uh, read along on your screen. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites, starting with verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good? Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. that the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples, as you are this day, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your hearts and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless, And the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven, Chapter 11, verse 1, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. So, I want to begin our time with a question. Have you ever looked at someone doing something and you thought to yourself, that person is just going through the motions, he or she doesn't have his or her heart in it. Um, for example, if, if you're a uh, sports fan, sometimes you watch a player play, and you can just tell that they're, they're in the game, but they're not really in the game. You know what I mean? Or someone doing their job, and you know they're only there for the paycheck. If you watch uh, some criticisms of actors sometimes is they appear in these films, and people just say um, they're just cashing a check because they know that they're, they're, they're not really in the role Have you ever looked at someone going through the motions? Um, Or maybe a more pointed question is this. Do you ever go through the motions? As a believer, as a Christian, do you ever go through the motions when you're at church on Sundays or when you're around other believers and when you spend time in the Word or when you pray, does it seem more like a burden than a joy and you're just... Going through the motions. Uh, if so, um, I have two things. Number one, I don't think it's always bad to go through the motions um, because sometimes the motions are good. We go through something called a liturgy on Sundays. And what liturgy does is it gives shape to how we uh, hear from God, how we respond to God, how we, how we worship God, how we pray. And we often don't feel that in our hearts but our hearts and our minds are being trained to go in this direction. So going through the motions in and of itself is not always bad. But you can't live like that forever. You go through the motions because you know that there is something worth going through the motions for. Do you ever feel like you're going through the motions? If so, then today's passage in Deuteronomy is for us just as, it mu- just as much as it was for the Israelites so Moses is speaking to the Israelites before they're entering the Promised Land. This is the context, and we're nearing the end of Moses' speech to the Israelites, and this is the ending. the, the We're nearing the end of the second speech of Moses to the Israelites, and. And then over the next two weeks, Pastor Michael and Pastor John will cover chapter 11, and this will conclude the, this particular speech. Of course, there's more in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to take a little break after uh, chapter 11, and we'll jump back in in the new year. Um, but as we've been going through the chapters over the past several weeks, we've been hearing over and over the sin and rebellion and the unrighteousness of the Israelites. Moses keeps on reminding them, Israelites, this is how you have failed this is how you have sinned. But we've also been reminded of what God has done for them. He rescued them from slavery. He chose them. He set his heart upon them. And we're, we're told of what God would do for the sake of his people. So the question for the Israelites in this passage is this. How do we live in light of the fact that we are under the rule of God? As God's people, how... Shall we live? But there's another question underneath that question, and it's this. How can we live? How can we live in light of the fact that we are under the rule of God? And this is where we're going to be answering over the course of our next few moments together. And to to do that, I have three points around this idea of circumcision, which we read about. I'll explain that a little bit more. But uh, the first one is this, the meaning of heart circumcision. What is heart circumcision? Number two, what flows from a circumcised heart? And number three, how to circumcise your heart, how to circumcise your heart. So um, this kind of crass uh, image that we have in our minds, you know what circumcision is. Um, Before we go to our points, I want to set this uh, passage up for us. So, The passage begins with a familiar command, um, and it's from the Shema. It's a a reference to the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter chapter 6, and let me read it for you, just to remind you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the cornerstone understanding, the cornerstone of living for the Israelites, but if you really consider this, if you really consider what this, the Shema is calling the people of God to do, then we realize this is impossible. How do we feel fair? How do we walk in all of God's ways? How do we love Him and serve Him? How do we, with all our soul and with all our might, how can we do all these things? It's telling us to not just go through the motions but with all our being, with all our emotion, with all that is in us to follow the Lord. How can you love completely with all your hearts rather than go through the motions? Our text today gives us the command and also the basis. So in the text, um, I'm just going to do a flyby of of what we see in the text. So two things, who is God? Who is God? Verse 14, he is the owner of heaven and earth. All things belong to him. Verse 17, he is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is great, mighty, and awesome. He's not partial. He's the one who chose the people of God, the Israelites. He's done great and terrible things which they witnessed with their eyes. This is who God is. And in light of who God is and what does he require of his people? Verse 12, to fear the Lord, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him to keep the commandments of the Lord. And he says, circumcise your heart. You need to do this. You're no longer to be stubborn. Verse 20, you're to serve him, fear him, hold fast, swear by his name. And th- these things are set in front of the Israelites as they're listening to Moses speak. And they're to consider these things about God, they're to consider that these are the obligations these are the duties that are set before them this is what they're supposed to do and then now we can get to our points our first point is this what is heart circumcision so um what is the heart uh this is we're very uh we, we often think in terms of you know uh you should follow your heart rather than the voices around you you should follow your heart ver- rather than um your, your mind um but but when we when we talk of the heart that way, we just maybe minimize it, or we we, uh, we compress the heart down to just emotions and feelings. But this is not how the Bible understands it. This is not a feeler and and uh, intellectual distinction, because everyone, all of us, we live out of our hearts. Because the heart is where our deepest loves and priorities are held. Whatever you've set your heart on, that's what you care about the most, and all our emotions, all our actions will flow from that. So, for example, um, if you don't love the Giants, then you're not going to be upset by the fact that they lost to the Dodgers on Thursday. But I know that we have some diehard Giants fans at our church. If you love the Giants, if you're a real fan then you on Thursday probably experienced emotions such as sadness and heartbreak. And you probably experienced anger at the first base umpire who, who called the check swing in the ninth inning. If you're a true fan of the Giants, these are probably things that you felt. Because somewhere in your heart, there are the San Francisco Giants. Or... How about this? If it's not sports, maybe your main priority is your career. And this dictates how you think and act because in your heart is your career. Because you view this as not just your job, but everything in your life revolves around this. How do these things serve my career or hurt my career? You set your heart in your career. You want the recognition, the security, the money, the fulfillment. And things that threaten your career advancements They'll make you angry, they'll make you sad or depressed, they'll make you upset. Even small things such as things that might mess with your schedule. Or maybe big things like you're passed over for a promotion. On the other hand, if you feel, if if, if you're honored for your work, if you're recognized, if opportunities open up, then you feel maybe a relief That all the things you've worked toward, they're coming to fruition or maybe you're feeling elation, happiness. And you do these things because in your heart, if it's not the San Francisco Giants, then it's your career or fill in the blank. It's a certain person. It's my children. It's my portfolio. What is in your heart? In the Bible... The Bible understands the heart as the seat of who you are as a person. And this controls your thoughts, your actions, your emotions. Your most primal, your most fundamental commitments and desires are found right there. Your heart is where you you decide what you're going to commit to. Your heart is what shapes your imagination. What's in your heart determines what you love and what you hate. It determines what you find beautiful and what you find ugly. And as we look at Moses' words here in Deuteronomy, we see this. He says, you are to circumcise your hearts. You're to circumcise your hearts. The goal, the objective of this is so that the Israelites would not just go through the motions. It's not just so that they would feel these um, sentimental feelings of love even. But that there would be a concrete expression of that love in their lives. So... Circumcision, let me just give you a brief explanation of circumcision in the Old Testament. So we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, when God commands Abraham to be circumcised. The circumcision was the sign of the covenant. It was the way that the promise would be fulfilled. Um, God makes a promise to Abraham. This is the sign of our, our covenant. And as you fulfill this, This is going to represent how I'm going to fulfill the promise that I'm making, not just to you, but to the whole world. Look at verse 27. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. This was one of the promises that God made to Abraham. If you ever look up into the night sky and you see a a star, if you belong to the Lord, one of those stars was lit for you. Abraham looked at that very same star and he thought in his mind, generations from now, there will be people that exist under the rule of God because God was faithful to his promise. And circumcision was a representation, was a sign of that covenant promise that God had made to Abraham. That's the Abrahamic covenant. So to be circumcised, to remove the foreskin from the organ of the male, meant that you were set apart and meant that you identified with the covenant community. It meant that you lived in the context of covenants, that you believed the promises of God, and that you would obey what God asked you. So circumcision, this was the ritual that the Israelites they went through when they committed to obey God. Um, it was them saying that this is just a physic, this is not just a physical thing, but it represents something far deeper. So, when Moses is saying that you need a circumcised heart, he's saying this. It's not enough to just do the thing, there has to be something deeper than that. You can't just obey God externally. Because circumcision represents not just the external, not just the body, not just the physical. It represents what is happening inside you, what's dictating your actions and your loves, your imagination your desires. And what happens if your heart is circumcised and you don't do things because you have to. You do things because you want to, because you love to. So as we continue on in the text, we get a a better idea of what heart heart circumcision is. So in the Old Testament, in in, in the Abrahamic covenant, it was a cutting of the foreskin from the organ. And here in Deuteronomy, it's cutting off something in your heart. It's cutting off that which causes your heart to not love things properly. It's to remove the hardness of your heart. And this is the stubbornness that Moses speaks of. Heart circumcision is cutting off that which cuts off the life to your heart. In verse 15, we see, One of the the basis is for one of the commands in the text. God says this, remember that that I'm, I'm the owner of everything that exists in the whole universe. And of all the things I could have chosen to set my love upon, I chose to set my love upon you, Israelites. There are 10 trillion other things that God could have set his love upon. But he set his love on you. And this is the basis for the command. Here's what I'm seeing in the text. Is this. That God chose you. God removed you from the land of slavery. And therefore. You must remove that which still enslaves you. Heart circumcision. Remove that which is killing you. So this was the standard for the Jews. It's not just to remove the foreskin It's something that you do to identify yourself as a member of God's covenant community. It's you saying that you believe the promises of God. But of course, as the book of Deuteronomy, as the whole Old Testament tell, tells us, that even though there were these circumcised Jews, what was... Uh, real on the outside did not reflect the reality on the inside. They needed a new heart. They needed to experience something that was perhaps only hypothetical. Um, if you read the news over the past week, uh, th- there was um, one of the main stories. Well, there are a lot of st- main stories, but uh, what, what was in the news a week ago was that uh, a guy named William Shatner went into space um, You might remember William Shatner, you might know him as the guy who played Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek TV series. Um, And what was his character? This was a captain of, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I think it's the USS Enterprise. He just traveled through space. Captain Kirk spent all his time in space. But that was Captain Kirk. It wasn't William Shatner. William Shatner had never been to space, even though... This idea of space had defined his public persona. Captain Kirk never went to space until last week because a guy named Jeff Bezos said, I want to send William Shatner to space. If you bought anything from Amazon ever, you were part of this, um, in enabling William Shatner to go to space. He spent three minutes up um, in outer space, and you can watch a video of this on the news or on YouTube. Just he's wide-eyed; he looks like a child seeing water for the first time. And when he came back to Earth, he had a chance to talk to Jeff Bezos, and this is what he said. And um, you can also uh, just watch watch how he says it. It's it's actually pretty uh, moving. Um, this is what he said: It was so moving to me. His speaking of his time in space, this experience. It was something unbelievable. And here he's thanking Jeff Bezos. He says this, You have done something. What you've given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I am so filled with emotion about what just happened. It's extraordinary. I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can maintain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. I am overwhelmed. I had no idea. You know, we were talking earlier about before going. This is before he went to space. Um, Well, you know, it's going to be different. And whatever phrase that you have, whatever uh, it was that explained this different view of things, that doesn't begin to explain, to describe it for me. What happened to William Shatner? His whole... Almost his whole adult life was defined by this idea of space because he was Captain Kirk. But that was always theoretical until he actually went to space. What was theoretical became real. And to these circumcised Jews, perhaps this idea of living under the rule of this covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, perhaps it was theoretical And Moses is saying this, he's saying this, that until your heart itself is circumcised, you're never going to experience the reality of the promises that were made to you. All the promises of God that they heard, all the ways in which they saw the hand of God move, all the reminders of their sin, they could have spoken of these things, but it would not sink in. They'd still be going through the motions unless they had a circumcised heart. And this is why God is commanding this. Because he wants them to know. He wants them to experience the reality. Not just the symbol. And this is what God is saying to us, Indelible Grace Church. What does it mean to have a circumcised heart? Let me first talk about what it doesn't mean. To have a circumcised heart doesn't mean that you feel moved by the music or the sermons or the other elements of the service. It doesn't mean that you're impressed by what we do. It doesn't mean that you feel welcomed by the people at this church. To have a circumcised heart does not mean that you find the Bible interesting or intellectually stimulating To have a circumcised heart does not mean that you feel a sense of peace and comfort when you're in some type of religious setting. It doesn't mean that you feel inspired to be a better and more loving person. And these are good things, and I hope that you feel them. I hope that you feel them at this church. These are good things. But let me let you in on a little secret. If you want to be inspired let me recommend something called YouTube. There are so many inspiring things that you can watch on YouTube that will move you deeply. And you don't need to hear about God or Christ in any of them. If you want to be informed, the internet, the library, books, they're going to teach you a lot more than what you're going to learn here. If you want some type of peace, You can do meditation. You can do mindfulness. Even atheists like Sam Harris, you listen to his podcast, a big fan of meditation and mindfulness. You don't need God for those things. I'm not saying that these are bad things, but if you're looking for inspiration or information, if you're looking for community, there are better places to do that than IGC or any church. But what if you want to experience the greatness of God? We have this Bible. If you want to experience the truth of this book, if you want it to make more than intellectual sense to you, if you want to see Jesus as beautiful and worthy of your entire life, if you want those things, then that requires that your heart be changed. That requires that your heart be circumcised. It means that you allow God to do the work of circumcision in your life. To love and feel and take delight in who God is and what he's done for you. This requires that all the stubbornness and rebellion of your heart be removed. This is heart circumcision. Are you going through the motions? Our second point, what flows from a circumcised heart. Um, I think I've shared this before, but when I was a kid in elementary school, I took uh, three years of violin lessons from fourth grade to sixth grade. And I hated it so much. I hated violin lessons. I hated playing the violin. Um, I hated all that came along with it. And um, to give you a... A, a, an idea of how much I hated it. Um, we would have, uh, once a year, at the end of the year, we'd have these recitals and our school would get together with all the other elementary schools in the area and then we'd meet in a big auditorium and then we played our songs. And I played, I moved my bow um, over the, the the violin along with everyone else, but my, string, my, my bow never touched the string Music never came out of my violin. I hated the violin. I didn't appreciate music. But then something changed as an adult. Now, I love music. I listened to music for pleasure. When I was a kid, I listened to this music and it was a drag to me. So what happened? Something in me changed. Part of it was that I, I started learning an instrument that I actually enjoyed, which was guitar. I started listening to country music when I was in um, middle school. That's developed in me a love of music. And now instead of a chore, as it was when I was a kid, now it's a joy. What happened? I experienced something as it was meant to be experienced. And the Israelites here that Moses is speaking to Israelite, Moses is telling them, you need to have your heart changed. You need to live out of a new identity. If you have a circumcised heart, something in your life is going to change. And two things I'm going to point out in this passage. Number one is this, that as the Israelites listen to Moses, they're hearing again of their previous identity. Moses is saying this, that you should remember back in the day that you were saved from slavery in Egypt. With your circumcised heart, you should not just recall your plight before you were rescued, but you're to feel the truth of that freedom. You're to remember the covenant that God had made with you. You're to identify with this God, this rescuer, who rescued you from oppression and this is what we see in verse 18, that he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loved the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. And therefore, this is what you're supposed to do, verse 19. You are supposed to love the sojourner because God loved you when you were a sojourner. Your identity changes when you have a circumcised heart. He says this, that this is what you were, but this is now what you are. You experienced the work of God in your life, and therefore you are to show other people by your life that this is who God is. Your life should reflect the work of God in your own life. The heart that is loved is a heart from which love flows. If you remember these words from Jesus in the Gospel of John, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. When God does a work in you, it might be slow, but eventually your heart will change and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water to bring life to the people that God has put in your life. If our hearts are changed, then our hearts toward other people is changed as well. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. You give to God not to get something from Him, but simply because you love Him. Look at verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. Here we get this idea of partiality and bribe-taking and... It speaks to this propensity that we have in our hearts to make deals with God. Have you ever tried to bargain with God? God, if I do this, then will you give me this? Or God, you owe me this because I've lived a certain way or because I have done certain things. Because I've made promises. Therefore, God, you owe me a certain type of lifestyle. You owe me a gift as a payment. That's actually not a gift. You owe me something. On the other side of this passage, of this verse, implicit is this. That you can try to make bargains with God. You, you, you can try to give God a bribe, but that's not going to work. But what you can do is you can give God a gift. And there, there's a difference between bribery and payment and a gift. Bribery or a payment says this. That I will give you this and you owe me because I did this. You owe me, God. There's a transactional nature to our relationship. But if you're a gift giver, what you say is this. I want to give you something with no expectation of you giving anything back to me. And if you really love someone, have you noticed it becomes a part of who you are? That it brings you joy to express your love for them? That even if you knew that they would not give anything back to you, that you would express your love, you'd give to them. And to be told that you can't do that anymore, that would kill you. Because it's not that you want anything from them, you just want to express your love because you take joy and delight in this person. And if you have a circumcised heart, you're not going to make bribes, you're not going to bargain with God. You're going to want to give God a gift of yourself, And this flows from the circumcised hearts. And let me uh, speak an encouragement to us. Because I think sometimes when we think about these demands, it feels very impossible. Um, we're being told to feel things and to do things How do you feel fear? How do you feel love? How do you feel joy over something? You can't manufacture that in your heart. And hope is in the third point. But before we get to the third point, let me just um, say this. I want I want to read to you a passage from Romans seven. Because the truth for all of us is this: that we'll go through seasons where our hearts are hard toward God, where we find it hard to believe in God, and we might think, "What is the point?" I'm discouraged. Paul knew that you would think that. When you don't have desire to love God or or, or follow him, to obey him. Let me read to you from Romans seven verse twenty one. But with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And here's the good news, verse one of chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You might be a new creation, but even new creations take time to grow. We sometimes think of growing in a way that isn't helpful to us. We think sometimes of growing as, as maybe you're 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 growing a um, growing a rubber band ball. And how do you grow a rubber band ball? You you start with a small number of rubber bands. You You put more rubber bands around them and after a while you might have 100 rubber bands and you want to keep growing it so you add another 50 to them and you just add and add and add. And we think sometimes that that is how we're supposed to grow as believers and maybe there are things that we should do, um, but this is not, these are just things and they're good things, but you can't count on those things to grow your heart. How does a new creation grow? A new creation grows from the inside. If the whole Spirit of God is working in you, he'll grow you from the inside so that your heart expands. It becomes more sensitive. It becomes more tender. It loves God more. This is the work of the Spirit. This organic growth from the inside. And this is, I mean this as encouragement for those of us who are slow to change or who are around people who don't seem very far along. Be patient with the work of God in your life. And be patient with the work of God in the lives of others. Just because you're a new creation doesn't mean that you're going to change instantaneously. And this is the um, one of the beautiful things about being in uh, a community is you're going to see people through awful things. Um... You're going to dislike them and hate them very often. But is God doing something in them? Um, I love what C.S. Lewis says, that one day you're going to see these people that perhaps you just did not like, and you're going to be tempted to worship them because of all the glory, because God did something in their lives, and maybe God is going to do something in your life as well. How do you have a circumcised heart? This is an impossible thing to do. Discouraging if you don't understand the gospel. And let me speak the gospel to you. How do you circumcise your heart? Our third point, final point. Let me end with this. You circumcise your heart by submitting to what God is doing in your life. You let him wound you. Flannery Flannery O'Connor... She has this beautiful line, which I've used probably 15 times in my sermons over the past few years. That grace must wound before it heals. Grace must wound before it heals. Sometimes you let God wound you with the surgical knife that removes the foreskin from your hearts. And as we move forward in the book of Deuteronomy, in Sometime in 2022, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 30, but let me give you a preview. It says this, that God is going to be the one that circumcises your hearts. God is going to be the one that is going to set you apart. God is the one that is going to give you this new identity as a son or a daughter in the covenant community. God is going to be the one that will change you from the inside. Do you have trouble trusting God? Do you have trouble loving God? Do you have trouble loving other people? What's going to change that? Only God will. Only God can. This is what circumcision of the heart is. And as we talk about circumcision, this is a very unpleasant thing. You might be saying this. Why is it that God has given us such a gross image? This removal of flesh from this very intimate body part. Why is there blood involved? Why is it so... This isn't something you should be talking about in public. Couldn't God have done something easier? Like, couldn't he just put a mark on you? Couldn't God have just said, you know, why don't you wear certain types of clothing? And that's going to be the sign. Why? Because God wants us to be grossed out by this idea of circumcision. Referring back to this abrahamic covenant when abraham made his covenant of god you can look at this in genesis 15 uh animals were cut in half and one part of one one section of the animals were put on one side another part of the animals was cut put on the other side and abraham walked in the middle through this bloody mess it was meant to be gross and what was abraham doing he, as he was walking through this, the, the, the dead animals, he was making this promise. He was saying this, that if I am disobedient to you, may there be blood spilled because it's so offensive to you. Abraham, he was acting out the curse of the covenant. When he walked through the pieces, he was saying this, that if I don't obey, may I myself be torn to pieces. This is what circumcision is, that there's blood and that there's pain. it was a symbol of the curse of sin and what is the curse of sin it's a breaking of a relationship a breaking of a relationship with other people but also primarily a breaking of a relationship from god circumcision represents what well, the thing that we ought to experience a cutting off from people and from our creator so what's necessary God, in his love upon you, he, said he gives you a new heart. Sammy mentioned it in the, the comments to the Apostles' Creed, is that he removes his heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. And this is how he did it. On the cross, Jesus was cut off. On the cross, Jesus was bloodied. On the cross, Jesus was nailed to the cross, Taking our place, being cut open, his blood being being poured out, so that our relationship with the Lord would be restored. Jesus said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken, forsaken me? What was happening jesus wasn 't just being physically cut by circumcision. This very famous passage in Isaiah 53, it says that he was pierced for our transgressions. It says that he was crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, by his wounds were healed. And then here's this very interesting line. It says that Jesus was cut off from the land of the living. This is the curse of the covenant, the curse of sin in the context of covenants, that Jesus was cut off. Circumcision is a cutting off. Our sin is a cutting off from the land of the living. But Jesus took our place. This is the gospel. That Jesus took your place. And instead of hatred being put upon you, you're lavished with love. God wants to circumcise your heart because he loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you more than you love your own preferences and your own comforts. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And Paul says in Colossians 2, this, this is the truth for us. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11, and the following verse is, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. This is not a physical circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. This is the New Testament equivalent of circumcision, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus was cut off on the cross so that you would never be cut off from the Lord, so that you would have a new heart So that your life can reflect this new heart in life. And we're gonna sing a song in just a few moments. Nate's gonna lead us in this song from, I think it was the 70s or 80s. It was written by Keith Green, I believe. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart. This is our prayer. It's not a prayer that God would help you get your act together, it's not a prayer that God would give you the tools you need to circumcise your own heart. It's saying, God, only you can do this. Only you can do this. Renew a right spirit in me. That's what we're going to ask God ask the Lord to do. Let me um, close in prayer. Father God, we um, are amazed that you would do what we cannot do. We're amazed that the requirements that you ask of us, that you fulfill those requirements. I pray that we would respond in worship and love, God. And we're sorry for all the times that we haven't done that. Um, But God, give us hearts of flesh. I pray that you, you would remind us of who we are, God, and that this would cause us to worship you with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.